Hey y'all, I'm Sammy, your host of the You Were Made For More podcast. John 10.10 is a promise that Jesus came down to earth so that we would have life and have it abundantly. My prayer is that this podcast and all of the content that we put out would remind every student that they were made for more simply because of who they were created to be. My own walk with the Lord and my relationships with the teenagers that I disciple have shown me that once we understand whose we are, the game changes. Or in other words, transformation happens. Our identity changes everything. We recognize that it takes investment and partnership between the church and parents to raise teens who know and believe who they are in Jesus. And we're here to help. So buckle up as we take this journey and take a look at what God has to say about friendships, relationships, sexuality, dating, and all the things in between. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the You Are Made For More podcast. Today, we are going to hear from Tony McFadden. If you are not familiar with who Tony is, she actually was on the podcast before, but we are going to be playing you her message from the Y Summit 2021 like we have been doing. We have a series going, um, so you should have heard Ryan Bomberger's um, and Kristen Hawkins um, talks from the Y Summit, and this is Tony's talk from the Y Summit. Um, if you have not heard of Tony, she is really real and vulnerable when sharing her story about relationships and sin and sex and how God has redeemed her past. She is an international speaker and she currently actually works for Students for Life. Um, so if you have not heard her testimony, I know this is going to enlighten you, and we are super, super pumped um, to hear your feedback about what Tony has to say, and yeah, I am going to hit play on the message, so if you guys have your headphones, and wherever you are, if you're driving, or doing dishes, or doing homework, or whatever you're doing, exercising, um, just really tune into what God has to tell you today through Tony. Here we go. If you haven't noticed, there is an attack on the family. There is an attack on men, on men being leaders and strong biblical leaders in the home and also a degradation of our women. And I'm here today to equip you to be able to combat the lies and even our sinful nature um, that wants to set us up for failure when it comes to relationships. So as people of faith, we, we are wired to want to please God. And we need to understand why when it comes to sex and relationships, why does it matter to God if we wait? You have to understand the why behind it. And so the theme of my presentation comes from Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Um, 
the scripture basically, I'm sure you've heard of it before. I'm sure you've heard this analogy before about building your house either on the rock or the sand. Because when you build a foundation, it matters. And our foundation that we're building is based on the decisions that we're making. Now, what doesn't make sense to me is in our culture, they tell us basically that when it comes to sex and relationships, that you can have sex with whoever you want to, whenever you want to, and it's no big deal. And that's a lie. And it's not normal to think that way. How many of you have heard your parents say to you, you need to do what before you act? Think. Why do they tell you that? Because someday before you leave their house for good, they want you to be able to be mature. And maturity doesn't just happen. You have to develop that. So here's the concept from a Matthew 7 is that God says, when you build on the rock, you are better prepared for when the storm comes. But if you don't listen to his teachings and how he's guiding us, that is like building on sand. The storm will come and it'll be washed away. How does that apply to sex and relationships? Well, I'm not here to say that sex is bad. I am here to say that sex is incredibly powerful. The reason sex is not bad is because God is the creator of it. But what does the enemy love to do? He loves to take what God has created and degrade it. And what he's done with sex is he's taken that and he's degraded it down to just about a feeling. So I bet if I asked all of you, if you want to get married someday, most of you would say yes. I can understand though, <laughs> some of you may not, because over 65% of marriages are ending in divorce. Why? Because I don't believe as a society, we, we are preparing you in the right way to prepare for that relationship. We prepare you in every other area of your life. You know, you go to middle school to prepare you for high school, high school for college, college so you can have your career. But if marriage is the goal someday, how do you prepare for that now? It's by the decisions that you're making in relationships right now. In our culture, they say, well, you can have sex with whoever you want to, whenever you want to, it's no big deal. And you know, guys, in order to be a real man, you need to get with as many girls as you can, as fast as you can by age 18, or there's something wrong with you. And the worst possible word you could be called is a virgin. But ladies listening to this, if the man of your dreams comes to you and he's like, honey, I love you so much. I've only had sex with like 10 other girls, but they meant nothing to me. Are you gonna be like, wow, you're such a real man, marry me now? Probably not. And that goes both ways. Guys, the girl, if the girl of your dream says the same thing, you're not going to say, oh, that's so beautiful. Why? Because if you're gonna spend the rest of your life with someone, the one question you're gonna wanna know is not how good you are in bed, the one question you're going to want to know is, can I trust you? And if I was live in front of you, I guarantee I would not have to tell you that. That would naturally come out. Why? Because the deepest desire of all of our hearts, it's not fame. It's not pleasure. It's to be loved. And think about it. When a newborn baby comes screaming into this world, what's the only thing that's going to make that child stop crying? 
its mother. You put that child on its mother's chest, it's like a little miracle, the baby stops crying. You cannot give that, that baby, you know, a $20 bill and some designer clothes and expect it to be quiet. It needs love. But guess what? We're still screaming out for love. It just looks different. But the lie is that somehow sex will fulfill that deep desire of our hearts. But if that were true, if sex really did equal love, would you see so many people walking around feeling hurt, feeling used? over a sexual relationship that didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. What I'm here to say is that you're worth more than that. And please don't disregard what I'm saying if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I already had sex before. I will get to that. Um, but I wanna equip you with some tools on what it looks like to honor not only God in relationships, but honor yourself and your future spouse. So, Going back to this foundation that you're building, you're, in, you're either building on what is true or you're building on whatever you feel like. Let's go back to that maturity thing. So society says sex feels good, act on that. What we're saying is don't just think before you act. Think on what is true and make your decisions based off of that. Two plus two is always going to be four. I don't care if you feel like it's five right? Sex is always going to be powerful. I don't care how people feel in the moment when they decide to do it. Think about it like this. Sex is so powerful that you can create a life and potentially cause death all at the same time. What do I mean by that? You can get pregnant, you can get an STD that is life-threatening. So that fact alone should get people to step back and really think about what's true. So this foundation that you're building, you can't just go around doing whatever you feel like because we see how this works. How many of you have gone into a supermarket and seen a three-year-old flipping out, right? Because mom won't give them candy or something, so they're having a temper tantrum. Now, I'm not expecting a three-year-old to be mature. You know, that's just kind of how they act, but mom has a job to do. In that moment, she could just say, well, I don't feel like hearing him cry, so I'm just gonna give him whatever he wants or it's embarrassing right now. Or she could think about how he's gonna be in the future and think, you know what? I'm not gonna reward bad behavior. I don't want him to think that every time he flips out and cries, he can just get whatever he wants because that is going to be his mentality in the way that he grows up too. So. The reason she's teaching him to just think before he acts is not only to make him mature, but also to have self-control. And self-control, we know, is not easy. We live in a culture that wants things when we want it, um, you know, going to fast food restaurants, all this stuff. We have things at the palm of our hands and we can get things very quickly. We don't like to wait. But I guarantee you, things that are difficult are going to be worth waiting for in the end, even though the process may be difficult. So let me tell you why I believe God calls us to wait until marriage. It's not because it's easy. It's not because it's popular, but there's a purpose behind it that is worth it. And here's why. On your wedding day, here's what's happening. Two people bring their entire lives together. 
It's no longer I and I, it's now we, it's now us. Everything you've done in your past, now everything you're going to do in your future is automatically going to affect one another. So what doesn't make sense to me is that your culture is telling you, have sex with whoever you want to, whenever you want to, it's no big deal. And then you meet the person you want to spend the rest of your life with and you're kind of like, I'm hot, you're hot, let's bond. You get together, she brings all her sand, he brings all his sand, and then hard times come into their marriage and what happens? They fall apart. Why? Because they weren't prepared. So God says, right now is the time to build in self-control, to build in what it looks like to be faithful, to be honest, because you know what? When you put a ring on your finger, there's no magic in it. You either have built in faithfulness and being trustworthy. You either have those things or you don't. So he's saying this is the time to build those things. And so if that's what you're doing all along and you're training your mind to build on what is true, regardless of how you feel in the moment, that's gonna benefit you. So you're both building this way. You meet your wife, your husband. In front of all your friends and family, you bring your lives together to be one. And then that night, everyone goes home. And for the very first time, this woman takes her body, this man takes his body, and they become like one body. In this moment, sex is more than just about a feeling because what you're doing in this moment is actually an expression of what you just did with your lives a couple of hours ago. You brought your lives together to be one. Now sex is an expression of that. And the only thing you're wearing in that moment are your wedding rings, which is a symbol that you're protected, not by contraceptives, but by a lifelong commitment. That's incredibly powerful. But here's how the enemy, our sin, is degrading that. We have people taking sex outside of the, uh, the boundaries of marriage and they're marrying their bodies, but without their lives. So either person has the freedom to do what at any time, leave. And countless people have their hearts handed back to them in a million pieces. And they're not telling you how to deal with that. That's what I call emotional baggage. That's all this stuff that they don't want, it, they don't want you to think about. Just think about the fact that sex feels good and act on that. Or just, they tell you to just jump into the next relationship and somehow that's gonna help you forget about the other. No, you're bringing more and more baggage into the next relationship. That is not healthy. And what I'm saying is it might be difficult right now as you see other people in relationships and thinking that's what I want and it's okay to want that. But what I'm saying is the difficult part of waiting and not giving yourself to someone, it may be difficult in the moment, but I guarantee it's gonna be worth it in the end when you meet the person you're gonna spend the rest of your life with. So all of that to say for myself, um, going back to those of you who may be sitting here and you are thinking, well, I, I messed up already. All is not lost because your past does not have to determine your future. You're listening to this today because God is pursuing your heart and your, his love for you doesn't change whether you've had sex before or you haven't. 
No one's better than each other. We all need the loving grace of Jesus Christ. So, but I do want to point out that I'm one of those people who didn't wait until marriage. I wish that I had because I know I have a lot of friends who have gotten married and I've never heard any of my friends who have waited for marriage say, oh man, I wish I would have slept with so many other people. I've never heard them say that. They're so thankful. But I have heard a lot of stories like myself who wish they would have. But by the grace of God, he can redeem that and make something beautiful out of that if we surrender all of that to him. So I want to share with you my perspective from my story. I know some of you may have heard it before, but I know there's always someone who hasn't. I um, very quickly, because I know I don't have a ton of time, but at the age of 18, going on 19, I was a senior in high school. I dealt with a crisis pregnancy. I was dating my boyfriend off and on for about two years. It wasn't the best relationship. And may I point out that I was born into a Sandy foundation. My parents divorced when I was young. My dad was married a few times. And so that was not my fault, obviously, but I do believe there comes a time and a place where you have to begin to rebuild yourself, regardless of what's been built for you. So I made choices that I shouldn't have. And the abortion that I had with my boyfriend was devastating. And I was uneducated. And I was dealing with my consequences of having sex outside of marriage. Unfortunately, my boyfriend broke broke up with me the day after I had the abortion and I spiraled out of control. There's that emotional baggage. I don't know how to deal with this and no one's showing me how to deal with this. And so I was just going from meaningless relationship to meaningless relationship, praying and hoping all, excuse me, all this other stuff would disappear and it didn't. So I get into college And I don't know what it is about college, but supposedly you're just supposed to know what you're supposed to be doing. And maybe I was just going through kind of like an identity crisis of not knowing what I was doing. But that is when the Lord stepped into my life. And I don't know if any of you have heard of the ministry Campus Crusade for Christ, but that is where that is what God used to rescue my heart. And when God rescues your heart, you're no longer trying to find your identity in other things. He began to give me my identity. And not only was he giving me my identity, but he was showing me a different worldview. And um, long story short, a couple of years after that, I started to open up about my abortion. And God began to open up doors for me to um, uh, work for a crisis pregnancy center. And I would speak to middle school kids. I would speak to high school. I would speak to college kids. And I would share my story of how I regretted my abortion. But at this time, I was single. And everything I'm telling you today, I had to live out myself. I would tell them, I'm rebuilding my foundation right now. I don't know who I'm going to marry, but I'm going to love him now, long before I ever meet him. And some of the kids would be like, how can you love someone you've never met? Well, does a mother 
who truly loves her child? Um, does she love this child long before she meets the baby? Yeah. She sets up a whole nursery for this baby. Maybe, she, uh, you know, she stops drinking or whatever. She, you know, she eats well. She sets herself aside to do what's best for this child. That's what love does. And so I said, I don't know who my husband is, but I'm also not going to hide my past from him either. And we, we've heard the saying, actions speak louder than words, right? So I can't just tell him I'm faithful. I need to show him, you know, all these years, yes, I gave myself away when I shouldn't have. But from this time on, I began to rebuild for you. And, you know, I was single for about eight and a half years before I got married. I'm rushing through a little bit, but... Um, so basically I'm rebuilding my foundation. I'm dealing with my baggage. And what my baggage meant was I had to deal with my abortion. I went through healing for that because that I didn't want to drag all that into my future marriage if that's what God had for me. And I had one of those like corny promise rings <laughs> on my finger. I know it's corny now, uh, but I have one of those on my finger and it said, love is patient. And I did have to be patient with the Lord because I watched like one summer, eight of my friends get married and I was single. And that was difficult because I was in, in my late twenties at this point, but God was so faithful because little did I know that someone had been looking for me for two years. And this person was looking for me because they wanted to um, come back and apologize to me for the way that they had treated me. And I had no idea that God had rescued this person's heart. And if you're catching on, my ex-boyfriend that broke up with me the day after I had the abortion came back to my life and as a new man. And I remember him looking me in the eye and saying, I left that relationship because I didn't want to face the fact that we ended the life of our child. And right then and there, I realized that abortion does not just affect women, that it also affects men as well. And lo and behold, because I believe God is so amazing and so redeeming, and I could never have written this story myself, but we ended up getting married less than a year later. And now we have four beautiful children. We've been married now for almost 12 years. And this is I'm telling you all of this as a picture to show those of you who have maybe messed up that all is not lost, but don't wait years and years down the road to rebuild your foundation. Start rebuilding now. And here's also a challenge for you if you're in a relationship. If you're in a relationship right now and you're doing anything physical, take that completely out of the relationship and see what your relationship is really based on. I would say that in schools, in the secular schools where I wasn't allowed to talk about God, and I said, would tell them, test your relationship out. If you can't kiss anymore and you can't do any of that anymore, do you have a relationship? Because if every time you get together, you're not you know, hooking up or kissing or doing anything physical like that, what are you doing? You're talking. You're getting to know each other. And not only that, but you're then protecting each other. Because honestly, if you're not married, you shouldn't be taking something from each other that don't belong to you in the first place. And that's what it looks like to honor one another. As I said in the beginning, there is an attack on families, 
on strong men, on women who are confident regardless of getting um, you know, their worth from men. God wants to give you your identity, give you your foundation. And he already said in his word, this is how you have a strong foundation by following his teachings. And we have to understand why. And so I'm just so thankful and I, that I get to share this perspective because I don't believe it's shared enough. And I believe young people like yourself want to hear that you don't have to go out and have sex. And as I said before, you're worth so much more than being told that this is what you're going to do anyway. Now, all of that said, I know this is easy to hear this, but it's very difficult sometimes to live it out. Grab a hold of someone that you know, friends that have the same mindset of you as you, because who you surround yourself with tells a lot about who you are. Be surrounded with people who are going to help you live this out. If any of you would want to reach out to me, I'm on all social media platforms except, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I don't like to use that one that much. So <laughs> Instagram, Tony McFadden 12, Tony with an I or on Facebook. Even if you have a small group, I know with COVID it's a little different, but I would love to even come to your campus or um, on your small group, you can book me through tonymcfadden.com. This is a conversation that needs to be ongoing. And there was actually a lot of analogies that I wasn't able to um, present to you because of time. And please know that I'm praying for you guys. And this is the generation that not only can end abortion, but I think could change the standard of relationships and have healthy, strong marriages in the future. So thank you so much for listening and please reach out if you have any questions.